Ora, and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts, Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Hello, Chris. Hello, Mark. How are you going? Do you know, not so bad. The All Blacks won, the Black Ferns won. That was epic. It was, wasn't it? What a match. Both yeah. of them, in fact. So it's women's rugby for those of you who aren't, aren't aware of the uh, name we call our New Zealand women's rugby team. And uh, anybody who thinks uh, women's rugby is not as good as the men's just needs to watch that game. Man, <laughs> it was some massive hits in that. Yeah, and some strong running. Beautiful tries. Was it they ran in seven tries, I think it was? Yeah. Yeah, if only the men could play that well. <laughs> but speaking of women, this is a bit of a women's special podcast. It is. Uh, we're two well. old women. Um, <laughs> is that not what you meant? No, but but yes, our podcast has been described as two old women nattering about GIS. But it's better than that, because we're number one. We are number one, here and abroad. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> so this is the Geodorable podcast. It's two old women talking about GIS. It's all things spatial. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and with our guest, our special guest, Anne Harper, this evening, um, it's more about the spatial than it is about the geo. That's true. I've never thought of it like that. I need to work out the difference. Why is geospatial and spatial? Someone will tell us. Get in touch with us and uh, tell us why spatial is different from geospatial. Mark, just to, and I was going to save this for news next week, but you've reminded me, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there now. There's a film coming with uh, Gerard Butler, amongst others. Who? Gerard Butler. You know, uh, he was in um, uh, the, the uh, Sparta. Spartans. 300. 300. <laughs> you know right, no. This is Sparta. That movie. Great impression there. <laughs> no? Okay, anyway. Gerard Butler. He's an actor, Scottish. Anyway, he's an actor. He is starring in a new Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah, get this. Yeah, get this. Yeah, it's yeah. called... You ready? You ready? Geostorm. Oh, right. I sort of thought it might be called The Spatialist. No, Geostorm. They've just put the word geo in front of the word storm. Like most people <laughs> in our community put the word geo in front of anything else just to right. make it sound better. Anyway. So, so just as we carry on ranting, we'd like to disclaimer here. Oh, we should, yeah. <laughs> that uh, anything we say on this podcast is our own opinions and said maybe for satirical entertainment purposes and not to do with anyone we work for, work with or know. I think that covers everything, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. If, if, <laughs> yeah, I won't explain it. But what a great podcast. We have a special guest, but before we get into our special guest, uh, we have some news. We do. Spatial news. Right, Chris. There's a new place to go hang out with fellow Esri people. There is now, uh, if you remember, way back in the dim and uh, distant past, there used to be the uh, the Esri users, uh, Esri New Zealand uh, user group um, email list. Yes, and this is a particular favourite of mine because you send out an email and it spammed everyone with your email and then you got 70 to 100 uh, out of office replies. You did, and that was just from people who couldn't be bothered to answer your question. Um, but that, that, that moved on, and uh, yes. then we had a forum that was on the New Zealand Industry Use Group's website. Yep, and, and that, that was, started, well, it started with a hiss and a roar. It did, it was, uh, it was well used, but then other forums kind of caught up, one being Geonet, of course. Yeah, and so, moving with the times... Well, when uh, when the user group updated their website, we uh, we decided that um, we're not going to do the forum because other people, uh, particularly Geonet, already does a fantastic forum. Well, so they already do the logins and they do the questions and answers and they do the points. Yeah, they do. So what we decided to do was hook up with those guys and now if you go into Geonet and you search for the New Zealand Esri user group, you'll find your own little New Zealand community uh, there where you can ask questions that are kind of... New Zealand related perhaps yeah so it's a good place to go a uh, good place to get answers yeah sure um, uh, I think there's more there's more questions that need to be answered on there well I think uh, the more people who join the more we make a community and the more people there are to answer the questions you might have yeah 
So a good way of supporting other people who are struggling through the same uh, technical issues that you may be facing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Spatial news. Now, Mark, it was uh, the uh, as we use conference um, in New Zealand last week or week before. Last uh, week. Last week, week before. Week before. And uh, Nathan Hazelwood uh, has posted up an article on LinkedIn about the um, male-female um, attendance uh, of that conference. And he's got stats going back to 2012. So it's pretty interesting to compare how things have changed over the years. So uh, back in 2012, there was a, a 24% uh, female-to-male uh, um, attendance ratio. Um, and, and now we've hit the big 30%, which isn't actually that exciting that's a six percent growth over five years um and i would have said that that females are better represented than gis in other tech industries um yeah i think you're probably right but yeah i mean this is you can't really draw any too many comparisons but you can just say those attending the conference are only 30 percent female which which is an improvement on five years ago yeah Here's a random for question for you, Chris. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, of the attendees from your organisation, what was your ratio? It's um, a good question, actually. Uh, one, two... <laughs> two female to... How many guys? Uh, five guys. Okay. So, two-sevenths. Mm. Okay, we were two-fifths. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. What are we saying? Well, we're saying there's some statistics available. You can uh, read into them many things. Um, but it does sort of highlight that females aren't well represented in the Esri User Conference. But also, maybe this, it's a bit of a struggle, and you'll hear later in our great interview with Anne Harper about the um, about a female perspective on, on attending male-dominated events. You will, and that nicely brings us on to uh, our next uh, news topic. Spatial news. So there's an organisation out there, Chris, called Women in GIS. Uh, there is, yeah. Uh, and um, they are running a survey um, about their organisation, and uh, they're trying to get feedback about what that organisation should become, how it can grow, how it can help uh, others within the uh, within the community succeed. Yeah, so their purpose is an advocacy, oh, bad pronunciation, advocacy group for women and their allies. <laughs> and so, yeah, the survey is about what would you like to see come out of the organisation? And it's a worldwide organisation, Chris. It's not just a, an American thing or a European thing or an uh, Asia-Pacific thing. No, but they, they've got a, a great web map that kind of proves their point. They've, uh, they've put all their members on, uh, on a web map, and you can actually see uh, how they're distributed across, um, across the globe. Yeah, and you'd say not a strong representation from New Zealand. If a third of the uh, attendees of the user group, user conference, were female, it would put about 200 of them. Yep. And there's only about 50 to 60 represented in this group. Well, more people need to sign up, that's what I can say. Yeah, so uh, call to action. You should complete the survey and join the group. You should. Spatial news. And speaking of women w- winning... Or coming second, Mark. <laughs> yes, uh, two local ladies from Tauranga have uh, come second at an international cartographic conference. Now we've mentioned this a little while ago because they uh, they took first place in New Zealand and that uh, jumped them up to the, the, the world stage, I guess. Um, and yeah, fantastic to get second place. Yeah, and we've we've shown the picture before. It's quite an effective picture. It, it, I like it because it expresses geography. Uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll put the photo up on Facebook and uh, reference it on Twitter. Um, but yeah, really good news, I think. Yeah. Now, Mark, I think that's the end of the news. It is the end of the news. Right now, we have a fantastic interview coming up with uh, with uh, Ian Harper from Coordinates, as as you mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah. It was such a good interview. I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, well, it was yeah, great chatting to Anne. Um, but we could talk about how great the interview is, but we could just let people listen to it and find out for themselves. That's a very good idea, Mark. So um, here it is. Where are you at? Hello, and in this special segment, we've got Anne Harper. Hi. Hello, Anne. How are you this evening? I'm really good, thanks. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. It's not too cold. Yeah, Auckland's heating up. <laughs> <laughs> actually, we, uh, we're outnumbering um, Mark, actually. We've got two Aucklanders and one Taronga person. <laughs> Tarongan? <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for that, Chris. Um, <laughs> so, Anne, um, before I ask you why you're here, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, um, I... Oh, about me. Okay. I work for Coordinates. I am the Customer Experience Manager there. I also am the Vice Chair of SEBA, which is the Spatial Industry Business Association. Um, I've been working in the geospatial arena for well, maybe 13 years or so, and in that time I've worked um, remote sensing, I've done cartographic revision, um, I worked for Department of Conservation for five years doing their analysis. Okay. Easter UK, yeah. So it sounds like you're pretty important. (laughs) (laughs) Hence why you're on this show. Oh, yes, of course. There's an awful lot to talk about there, isn't there? But um, we're we're mainly here to talk about coordinates, and you, of course. But um, you've got an event coming up, so we thought we'd uh, we'd get you on to talk about that, um, if, if, if that's a good place to start. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's really exciting. We're having um, an open data discussion, a panel um, on the 7th of September. So um, I'll tweet out a link to that. So anyone is welcome who's interested, you just sign up on Eventbrite. And we've got the CEO of Statistics New Zealand, Liz McPherson, speaking. Um, a woman? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And More about that later. Um, also, Hakanwal Singh, who is the data editor for the New Zealand Herald. Cool. And um, our CEO, Ed Corkery. So it'll be a really good event. And so, this what's going to. This is in Auckland, isn't it? Yes, yeah, this one's in Auckland. We did run ones um, in Wellington a couple of months ago, and we had Eric Crampton, who is an economist, as our third panelist. Yeah. So, what sort of questions are you going to do for the panel? Is how are you going to make it interactive? Oh, I'll see what their talks are about and then wing it on the night. Does that... <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's how, I mean, you know, Anne, you've been with us for the, the last half hour or so, maybe even longer, and you've seen how uh, we don't wing it at all. We do lots of prep work, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we have a list of questions. That's true. <gasps> Well, yeah, no, I will put together some questions most definitely because we've got some pretty awesome people speaking. But it's so interesting. Like, I haven't, I've heard Liz's talk, but I haven't heard Hakinwell's talk yet. So I think it's really important to just take the opportunities on the day because you never know what's going to come out of the speaker's talks and what points they might pick up from each other. Plus, whoever the audience is, whatever the audience is really interested in. And um, so we'll have a few questions that are prepared, but we'll go with what the interest is on on the evening. I I think um, you've got a um, nice contrast between someone who is absolute about data, so the accuracy of data, versus someone who is using data for a story. And looking for stories within data as well. Yeah, looking for an illustrative, um, yeah, more of an illustration than an accuracy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think a good panel discussion involves a bit of um, conflict <laughs> in, in a polite way. Well, it's going to be really interesting. I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm already uh, booked in to attend, so uh, awesome. you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it, it's great uh, you know, to, to have those to and I think Mark's right you've kind of got two ends of the spectrum there somebody who is, is very focused on data and somebody who's focused on data but in a completely different way uh, you know and, and you know 
Park and Well, he, he's very much about the, the taking the data and turning it into something that you know anybody can understand. Um, and you know, the New Zealand Herald Insights, uh, I think, does that pretty well uh, in most cases. So, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. So, what was the date of that again? Oh, it's the seventh of September. Seventh of September. And what's Ed going to be talking about? Um, Ed will be talking about open data from a technology perspective. Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, so there may be some people, and I, uh, you know, I, I doubt it, but there may be some people who haven't heard of coordinates. Um, and, well, and they're international listeners, well, yeah, which we have quite a few. We do, many international listeners. Um, uh, you know, number one in New Zealand, but, you know, across the globe as well. We're number one in the world for New Zealand geospatial podcasts. <laughs> we are. So um, for those who don't know about coordinates, um, do you want to kind of give a, a brief kind of rundown of, of who you are and what you guys do? Yeah, certainly. Um, so coordinates is about data publishing. So we want to get data from publishers to the people who can use it. And those publishers are often um, either companies or government agencies that have huge amounts of data and particularly we're designed for geospatial data. We do um, tabular and documents as well but the thing about geospatial data is as many listeners will know is you've got the projections and the formats which are a challenge to um, translate so our technology allows a publisher to publish all their data up there using APIs or manually into um, a web into the platform and then users can easily appraise it they can look at it query the data um, basically just have a play with it figure out what it is and then consume it in whatever format they want whether that's a pdf or whether it's an api that's fed into a system yeah yeah so there's been a change with coordinates i think um that it used to be when it first started it was a data hub hub right i think its tagline was almost, hey, you know, don't have the resources to publish your own data, we'll do it for you. Whereas now you seem to be more about facilitation. Oh, you're right in that it's definitely changed. Um, so now we basically sell data services, which is a white-labeled website where it, you know, can be branded with um, an agency or company's branding and they can publish out their own data. So you're still selling a product then? Yes, we are, yeah. But and also more of a service? Um, we provide all the technology around it, so we don't have any coordinates data sets, and we're enabling agencies and companies to be the authority on of their data by doing that. Does that make sense? So we don't have any of our own data or we don't yeah. host data for other people. And saying that, if you have a look at coordinates.com, there is a huge amount of data that we did have over the years as we were, um, yeah, as we were working to the point we're at now. Um, but we're moving that all off onto individual publisher sites. That's really interesting. So, um, you know, in, in the past, I've, I've been to coordinates.com many times to kind of download data sets. So you, you're saying from, you know, over time, those data sets are going to be more with the individual uh, agency that, that, that owns them. Exactly, yeah. So what's the brand of coordinates then? Are you just a technology? Yes. Okay. So when we're talking about open data... Yes. You're not trying to be an open data coordinator You're more no we provide the, yeah, the technology so that agencies are able to open their data up yeah. sorry I, I don't mean to grill you too much oh no 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 these questions are great because um, everyone's asking them and uh, yeah we're working to make it really clear about what, what the pieces that we do because it has changed it used to be if you wanted a data set a lot of folks would go to coordinates.com to find it, but we're now moving to a model where like the Lynn's data service is a coordinate site. Mm -hmm. um, 
MFE have one, there's Data Finder at Stats, and we've got a number of publishers out there who all have their own data service, and that's the model that we're moving to, is because that makes the agency the authority of their data. Yeah, so we <laughs> sort of had a discussion beforehand about how do you go and discover data nowadays, though? If everyone's got their own little portal, um, um, and there's portals for Africa popping up. Huh. What, what do you think? I mean, this is, I suppose this isn't a coordinates question. This is about an open data question. How, um, do you, how do you go and find data? Do you use Google? Well, yeah, from a technology perspective, what we do is search engine optimize everything that's on the site. So it's sort of like if you Google, yeah, if you search for something, um, you want it to be returned for what you're searching. You shouldn't need to know who the agency is that might have a data set that you want. You want to have um, a lot of options. So we're always designing to make that as easy as possible. And the way I look at it um, is, you know, every agency has a website, but you wouldn't necessarily know which agency might ask, answer a question or might be the source of that truth. But if you search it, their pages are search engine optimized so that they'd return those results. So I'd see yeah. data sets being the same. Yeah, and you can see that problem up in Auckland with so many um, different types of organization, public service organization, all publishing their own data. It could get quite confusing. Do you think there's a, a role there, and, and whether it's for um, or, or not, to, to kind of be the, the federated service? You know, everybody everybody feeding up into a, a big portal, as well as maintaining their own portals, but having, you know, a kind of a... That's not federated, Chris. Okay. What, what we're constantly designing to, um, and I've... Yeah, I'll put it on my Twitter account is the idea of the data life cycle. Okay. So the whole idea of the data life cycle what we des- and what we design to is about reaching the connecting the data users to the data publishers and we mapped out all the points and all the, well, all the activities that each role has to do in order for the life cycle to happen and we try to remove the friction between every single point. So every little point, we're always designing to make it smoother and smoother and easier and easier. So I see that in our future very much so because we want, but it's got to be in tandem with making the agency who owns the data still really clear that they're the authority of it. So that comes down to sort of the branding of the data set, yeah. Okay. So um, move, moving the conversation on a little bit. Now, I, I know you're really passionate about open data. Um, I've seen you present uh, a number of times about that subject. What is it for you that, that that's kind of, you know, um, yeah, what does it mean to you? What, you know, why are you so passionate about it? Ah, oh, well, I'm, I love the forest and I love the ocean and I feel that... Um, and also my background was a little bit of economics and I feel that if we understand and look after our environment, which we haven't been doing so well, oh, I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, if we have a really, really healthy environment, then we'll have healthy communities and healthy economies. Um, and I think all those things go together. Like when you have a healthy economy, then you've got people who are well, healthy humans, they're housed, they're happy, and um, our environment needs to be um, looked after and prioritised as well. Um, and so what, the, yeah, the provision of open data, making data available? Helps us do those things. So, I really believe that. Yeah, okay. Well, there's an interesting, because if, if you've listened before to the podcast, we've brought up the fact that people struggle to release data because they're unsure of what to do with it um, and do you find that that people are wanting to package it and put a nice box around it and yeah. say well, here you go here's my, my pretty little box data rather than going 
hey look here's some data just just have a look do some stuff with it have some fun because i think you've described i've seen the picture the spaghetti on the wall i think is how you've described it what's that so oh that's a slight yeah so the spaghetti on the wall quote is about how open data has been approached with the idea that you just chuck it all out there and then yay open data's done but you haven't but people haven't actually made it accessible to the, to a wide range of users yeah so by that i mean like just say it was put on a website and a zip file um as is with no metadata or licensing or um discoverability you have to know exactly where it is and you have to know it exists to find it so that doesn't reach a huge amount of potential users that keeps it for the specialists who know exactly what they're looking for um so there's that side of things but at the same time i feel that's part of the evolution um you know at some points that's the only tools we had was to be able to put a zip file out with everything um I also do agree that it is good to just get data out there rather than not because as soon as people start looking at it and using it, one, they're able to feed back to you to let you know um, where errors might be. Secondly, they can start articulating what their needs are for data. So if you're collecting data for one purpose and there's a whole bunch of folks out there that want to use it for a different purpose, then it allows you to start having that conversation and start understanding the value of your data assets. Yeah. yeah. So, I th- so I think Mark, Mark was saying there, you know, it's that I'm nervous about packaging this data up, especially if I'm a government agency, because perhaps some of that data might be wrong or might, might be not the, you know, the quality, and I'm worried about the risk of that. But do you think it, it, it's actually worth, well, okay still put it out within that kind of risk boundary and actually encourage you know you know people to use it and actually go this is wrong so it actually helps you improve your data set as a whole so is that you know do you think do you think agencies are too risk adverse in in these cases or or do they have a valid reason i don't know i think they were very much so i remember having the conversations when i worked um in government years ago and there was a lot of risk aversion um people really concerned how inaccurate the data was if it was wrong um and also the liability that they might have um so are you aware of anyone any court cases or issues around open data that someone's released something and someone didn't read the warning or what have you um the only time I've come across it was once, and this is well before the open data movement. And it was when we were doing cartographic revision for Geoscience Australia, and it wasn't a map that I'd worked on, but um, we had to choose boreholes and, you know, say if a borehole was on a map or not, and what we decided went on the printed map. And there was a case while we were doing this revision from another map where um, a father and son, their car broke down in the middle of the desert and they had to choose which borehole to go to based on the map. And they got there and it wasn't there and they both died. So, (laughs) yeah. That's an extreme case, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, And that would have been from data that they had exactly the information that I had, which was, say, a satellite image, an aerial photo, and then a bore um, database. But we were using it with, you know, there was three data sets, so we had to validate it against other data sets. So that would be, you know, you've got the boreholes, and in that there was an attribute to say how reliable that was. Then you've got the satellite imagery and the aerial photography to validate it against. So I kind of feel like you can cover your risks in other ways if you have accurate metadata and attribution like we did have with those boreholes to say, you know, this is a one where we're really sure it's here or a five where potentially it looked like a scratch, maybe it was a bore. Yeah. so when you have attribution like that, metadata describing, a license, um, and I feel a maturity of data user as well. And that's where I come back to the kind of work that CBA does, which is about helping um, the wider industry 
grow in maturity to understand how to use data when there's uncertainty and um, yeah. yeah. So that brings us nicely onto Siba. Awesome. Very well done, Anne. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you are the vice chair. That's right. I am. Siba. So again, CBA, how did you get that position? Uh, sorry, Siba stands for. Oh. oh, the Spatial Industry Business Association. Just yeah. for our, our listeners, I knew clearly what it stands for, but just, <laughs> just I... checking for people out there, you know. Actually, and and the interesting thing, this is the spatial industry. Just proving a point here, not the geospatial industry. Otherwise, you'd be Jiba. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it comes back to one of the points we keep making in this pod- podcast: stop sticking geo and stun in front of stuff. Right, right, yeah. Because I mean, spatial is. Like GIS is a huge part of the spatial industry, but then so is um, surveying and architecture. And well, it's even uh, again, I keep referring to our podcast, Chris. It must be a good one. Um, Referential, yeah. Yeah, we have noticed that a lot of innovation is coming from outside the standard industries. Yes. Yeah. So, and Seba must, I mean, you're obviously excited about this, but also trying to push it more. Oh, absolutely. So, um, earlier this year, um, there was Tech Week, which ran a number of events across um, a number of cities to, uh, yeah, just really get people excited about tech. And um, Seba ran its breakfast series as part of Tech Week rather than out on its own. And the purpose of that was to reach those innovators, and those innovators come from, you know, um, yeah, all sorts of businesses. Some of them small startups, others um, teams from big corporates. So it was a huge audience that our CBA events got um, advertised to. So we drew a crowd of people that were interested in spatial as well as the core spatial community, and that's really what we want to do: is connect those people and grow yeah. the industry that way because spatial is so accessible now yeah uh, every every database supports spatial yeah that yeah. just sort of like we can and rendering a map now with um with leaflet and mapbox etc they're really it's really really simple for a web developer to go oh here's a map and some spatial data yes and, and yet not understand anything about projections which is i suppose great yeah, it, yeah. Interesting way of, of thinking about it, you know. Um, you know, as a, as a GIS kind of person, you pride yourself on you know projections and 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 so forth. And it, and it's quite a, a jump now to to think that you don't necessarily have to know about that to to produce something simple. Yeah, and I guess where I see like the the a lot of people getting to that point and where the geospatial industry um, provides so much of the value is in the analytics that you can provide and the, that next level of like really... But the analytics are also getting overtaken. Um, so Microsoft and SAP, yeah. for instance, both their CRMs, ERPs, are all over-spatial. Right. You know... Um, they're, they're doing the analytics, but all they're doing is a query in the database nowadays. They're not having to do the, um, oh, here's a special gis thing. Which I think is what, what makes you know, CBA, uh, you know is so valuable at the moment. I think you know, it, it's there to help provide guidance, I guess, um, so introduce you know, new people what, to it. Question about CBA: what's its weakness? Well, that's a harsh question. Oh, a weakness is probably that... Um, it's a volunteer organisation, so we're reliant on our members and growing our membership to support the activities, so that would be the weakness. Yeah. I thought you were going to say too many GIS people. <laughs> so CEBA uh, also supports, or you partner with, but um, for the New Zealand Spatial Excellence Awards. Uh, that's but, yeah, that's right. That's a huge um, and a very good time to mention that too. Um, the awards actually close on the 31st of August, um, the entry, so we've got a whole other week, everybody, to get those entries in. Um, yeah. So why, would I, why would I enter? Because it gets awesome cred for you within your business and outside of your business. It tells your story and it gets some celebration about 
um, the hard and awesome work that you're doing. I'm going for awesome. the uh, Young Jairus Professional Award this year. You can't, actually, Chris. Um, <laughs> so as a, as a business that won it last year, yes. um, it also gets you lots of dinners. <laughs> my, my you enjoyed the dinner? Oh, my colleague has got to Australia and he's got to like three, four other awards dinners because of um, yeah. because of what what happened at Siva. Yeah, it's a big deal. Like, um, so they have the APSIA, the Australia uh, Asia Pacific Awards, were held, and the um, the winner from New Zealand went on to be entered in that, and that was um, Wellington City Council's Living Lab, and they took out the Supreme Award for all of Asia Pacific. So it really showcases the fabulous work that's going on down here in New Zealand. Yeah. But the other, the other thing is once we get those stories told, we're using the speak or we're asking the, the winners to come and speak at the CBA events. So we're really trying to pull these stories out of the spatial community and get them told and repeated and get the wider industries understanding and yeah the kind of enablement they could have and who's uh, a very important question that many people are, have been asking who's going to be the MC this year oh that's a good question I don't actually know it's going to be Mark Sainsbury's again. I hope so he's awesome he was good yeah <laughs> hey yeah. this is an important point Mark it is it is it is at a bigger venue this year but I think no I it? think it's it's yeah. still a um it's still at the museum, but it's, yeah, as you say, larger rooms, isn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. So it's just gone from strength to strength. I think we're in so, our fourth year. So what, just bringing up Mark Sainsbury, mm-hmm. noticed he's not female. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark, that was so subtle, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're number one. Um, <laughs> there, there's been a little bit of... Um, murmuring about lack of female representation oh um, at the awards well no not just at the awards it's more just an event that was last week um that that literally there was a stage full of men in dark suits who are all about actually they weren't even middle-aged they were they were baby boomers um i wasn't at this event but no, yeah no. <laughs> um so but I, I mean, one of the things about the spatial industry is that females are kind of more represented than you would say in the tech industry. Oh yes. Yeah? Do you think? Um, I thought they're about the same or less. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, not very well represented. I mean, I went to an Amazon conference once, and I was like, "Whoa, okay." Let's <laughs> <laughs> just say, if, you, if you've ever been to TechEd, <laughs> no, the, no, I haven't. The ratio is fairly Amazon, fairly poor there. Stuff. You would have thought it'd be quite well, you know, shopping. <laughs> <laughs> That's consumers, not makers, Chris. Yeah. Um, so, so woman in GIS is this? Is this? I mean, you're a woman you're in spatial industry is it something you think needs to change do you you think we need to do something more or do you think it's changing slowly or you're happy with what's happening um i think we need to do more um yeah we've got some strong women in spatial um yeah very very strong tight women in spatial group in wellington which is fantastic but i do find and i mean the lines are really blurred with tech and spatial for me because I guess the world I operate in mm-hmm. is very very male dominated um, so why, why is that is it because tech people have moved into spatial oh why the lines of yeah yeah tech yeah. people yeah totally like it's um, not just geospatial like it used to be but also do you think there's a point where I don't know. I, I, I hate to be accused of being the Mark Richardson of this podcast. Um, but do you think there's a point where women are going, you know what, this is just an industry and it's a technology that I kind of like, but I'm more interested in career development rather than staying within the technical aspect? Or do you think it's just there's been a lack of women from the ground up so there isn't 
the woman at the top? Um, what I feel is there tends to be quite a few women um, in university and they get really interested and sometimes I feel frustrated where I'm like, when I hear things like, oh, we need to inspire our woman, I'm like, they're already inspired, they're super <laughs> into it, we don't, that, that's not the problem, it just, it's, so, it just can feel quite cold and not that welcoming, um, and you can often feel like the odd one out. And so because we're too blokey, <laughs> all the special blokes and their stubbies and jandals? Yeah. Yeah, it can it can feel like that. Um, that's that's my opinion. I mean, a lot of yeah women might have other. Well, um, you've got a better opinion of it than Chris and I have. So yeah, I felt what what I felt has been real really helpful um, within my career is because I've been in very male dominated areas. A lot of the, the guys are awesome. They um, have you know people can be super super supportive. And that's um, not a gender thing either. Like it's sort of like there are major problems which make it really hard. And but those come from almost they come from women and men. And then there's also women and men who get rid of those issues and make it really easy and are really really supportive. So I think it's um, yeah, just a lot about supporting your colleagues and um, peers. You think there is actually sexism? I'm sounding like I don't believe you. Do you think there's sexism in, in the way that men are preferred over women? Oh, I don't even know about that. Because there's just so few. I don't know. It feels like there's so few women around. It's more yeah. like they drop out. Yeah, that, well, if you know what I mean. And that's yeah, that was my suspicion of, more than anything. Mm. Well, I'd hope, right? Uh, yeah, careers as well. You know, scientists are right? dominated by men in white coats, uh, and and they they seem to have yeah from from the, the I was going to say the research I've done from the you know, things I've read and listened to. You know, it's that same kind of problem um, that that. Well, so yeah, and, and, you know, lack of them. Um, but I, I kind of feel it's like you, you're not necessarily feeling part of the community, so you're more likely to leave it and find one where you are feeling part of, rather than so, I mean, actively so excluded. Because okay. I mean, you're vice chair of CBA, right? I, I often see you standing at the front <laughs> and, and talking and and so forth. You know, um, do you see yourself as kind of you know a little bit pioneering in that space? Or do you feel as though you know people are looking at you and going, "I want to be the next Anne Harper," or is it just you know? Yeah. Oh, you know. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> Kate maybe. Shepherd, Anne Harper. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of amazing women, yeah, in spatial that I think that of them. Um, I think women just aren't vocal enough. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I definitely don't think that. Because I kind of got annoyed when I heard the Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook, and she's like, lean in. And it was like, you're just telling me to behave like in a certain way where people get a hit. What does lean in mean? Oh, it's like you, you have to lean in and really speak up. You know, wife's friends all read that book and they were like, that's the most amazing book I've ever read, you know. Um, and, and I think because part of the book talks about, you know, uh, a, an artificial glass ceiling, but, the, you know, you, you fought so hard to get through the glass ceiling that you kind of don't want anybody following you through. I know, I know, I know, I know that this is, this is from what, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> And I, yeah, I we, believe we it. Talk about this uh, quite a lot, but the the other thing, I well, uh, you know, <laughs> no, I, I don't want to kind of you know talk about women this 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 too quickly, but I'm also aware of you know, time and and so forth. I guess there's a the couple of key things I feel is it's like the conversation is really really good to talk about it and just support your colleagues. You know, like if you're supporting all your colleagues and checking in with them and making them super welcome no matter if it's a gender or an ethnicity thing that's how you can have awesome diversity in your teams so 
yeah, I think that's just the key thing, I think, is to just keep supporting so, your so colleagues. If, if you see a woman at a special event, go up and talk to her. Well, if she's <laughs> looking like she doesn't want to be there and it's <laughs> sort of a club of all these people that know each other super, super well, like no matter who that person is, be inclusive. And, yeah, I think that's how we'll, that, that would help our community a bit. Yeah. And it would be great to be leading, you know, out of all the tech communities because they all seem to be that way. Um, yeah, it would be awesome if we had got and retained the women that were interested at the start and, like, upped so, our so one of the other things diversity. To, to, uh, to mention, so I think this is still the case. You work, you don't work traditional five days a week or whatever, right? You, I still think you, you take Fridays off, is that right? Yes, that is true, actually, yeah. Is that why Fridays are party days? <laughs> Friday is nature uh, day. I, I find so, that interesting, and we, we, you know, part of the reason it's getting quite late is we spent far too much time about, you know, talking about what, what, what you do, do, you know, you do through Doc. So do you just want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, sure. So um, I decided three years ago that <laughs> early retirement is for me. And Are you moving to Tauranga? <laughs> You're That's trailblazing there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I felt that so it wasn't just early retirement. It was also um, I was really clear, you know, two things. I really believe open data will make the world a better place. I also um, need nature time. Um, I love being out in the forests and the oceans, and I really want to keep involved with conservation. Um and for health and well-being and connecting with my community. So I uh, guide out on Territory Matangi um, most Fridays. And oh, so Territory Matangi is a dock-run island in the Hauraki Gulf. And um, you, it takes one and a half hours to get there on a boat. And I take tourists round and tell them about the birds and the trees cool. and, and the history. Friday, right? Come yeah. yeah, most of the time. I do, sometimes I work a bunch of Fridays and then I kind of get the days in low and then I'll work on one big project. So last year I went to Fiji and I helped with a marine reserve proposal it's very cool that yeah coordinates gives you that freedom to to allow you to to kind of follow that retiring early dream i think that's uh, that's pretty amazing actually yeah it's really good well the other thing i've learned from doing it because it was a bit of a risk at first because i thought well yeah i mean does this mean i'm not serious about my career if i'm only working four days but it actually means you you get so much energy from everything that you do that you're really really focused at work and you just kind of like I don't get the Monday blues I used to you know a few years ago you know on Sunday night I'd be a bit bummed about you know the weekend's gone so quickly and I'm back at work on Monday but that doesn't happen anymore it's amazing <laughs> it does yeah it sounds fantastic it sounds really cool uh, and and if I uh, if I wanted to come to the island, what do I have to do? Can I do I just book through Doc? Um. Oh, you just go oh, okay. through Fuller's Ferry down at Brittermart. Yeah. So if anyone wants to come to Terry, wants me to guide them, and I'll teach them the bird calls, um, just message me on Twitter or send me an Can email. Can you do bird calls? I can't do bird calls. I was really hoping there. <laughs> There are so many people out there that can. They're amazing, but no, I can't. I can tell you, I can tell you a lot of the bird calls. Um, are you secretly practicing your bird calls, though? No. No. I think I'm so. You know, when you're so bad at something, you're like, <laughs> oh, the learning curve is going to be so steep. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, they don't actually like you calling the birds because um, it freaks them out. Because <laughs> you don't know what you're saying to them. You might be saying something like, hey, man, this is my territory now. I Even, I, I, yeah. I thought you could actually do a, an impression that's good enough that's going to trick the bird. but um. It'll probably take a lot, but that's why you're not supposed to do um, callbacks, like play them the bird calls, because 
you have no idea what yeah, that bird call might be saying to them. <laughs> might be saying, come and check out this beautiful lunch over yeah. here. And the bird gets there and they're like, what? There is nothing. There is some people. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm not, no longer going to play oh, any bird song as I drive along the <laughs> Hey, so, Anne, so uh, yeah, thanks very much. You, you've mentioned your That's Twitter handle, or Twitter a couple of times. What's, uh, how, how do people reach you? Oh, it's um, oh, that's easy. Anne underscore Harper. Did you mention that on Twitter? Brilliant. Really hard, yeah. A-N-N-E. Yes, yes, that's right, yeah. I signed up on Twitter right at the start before, yeah. Before, you before I could pick a cool, a cool handle. handle. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, you know, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I know Mark has. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, thank you guys so much. It's really great to talk to you too. And um, really appreciate the support for our um, the Coordinates Open Data event on the 7th of September. So I hope to see you all there. That's great. Thanks, Anne. Uh, thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, that was the interview, Mark. Good fun, It eh? was. It was good fun. It's um, really interesting. Um, an interesting person is Anne with her uh, passion for open open data. Yeah. Uh, but also passionate about her work. Absolutely. Um, and how nice to manage to uh, have that work-life balance that you know, allows her to do the, the stuff she loves um, and uh, the stuff she also loves, if that doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> well, I like the, the very deliberate um, passions mixing of work and interests. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, I, I mean, I don't think it was deliberate, but the abilities to enjoy Mondays mm. or uh, Sunday nights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so great stuff. Thank you so much, Anne, for coming on the on the podcast. And uh, if you're in the industry and you'd be you'd like to be interviewed by us, uh, imagine, um, then uh, <laughs> get in touch. Uh, we'd really like to hear from you. Well, if you don't want to be interviewed, but just have a comment about how right or wrong we may have been <laughs> <laughs> on anything we said, get in touch. Uh, Twitter, search Geodorable or Facebook or Gmail. Uh, indeed. Now, there's no uh, export shapefall this week because, quite frankly, we're both too tired. Um, but it'll be back next week. It will be. So until next week, Chris, uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, goodbye.